Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Collective Clicks podcast. This is your host, Brandon Bateman. And today I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. I don't have a guest today. It's just me. And I want to share with you some concepts that have changed for me a lot of how I look at marketing, a lot about how I look at business, change the way that I make day-to-day decisions. This is going to be some definitions of different terms, understanding of concepts, math, all that boring stuff that you probably, even most of the people listening to this, you probably learned once upon a time, but maybe aren't fully applying in the way that you could right now. For some of you, you might hate this. This this could feel like a flap, slap in the face. Uh, for others of you, this might be a come to Jesus moment where you, where you kind of learn what is hurting you from your beliefs right now in your business. I'm hoping that as we unpack some of the things that I've learned recently and some of these definitions, we can get to a better understanding to where we can all grow together. We can all be making better marketing decisions. So a lot of what I have to talk about today has to do with sample size, right? And the extent to which most people understand sample size is we want more of it, right? A greater sample size is more representative of the population. And that is absolutely true. But I want to add some additional definitions here, some additional clarity to a few things that might help us understand it a little bit better. Something that helped for me personally is understanding the difference between performance and results. So I want to define each of these real quick, just so that we have a common understanding of the terms I'm going to be using today so that we can learn a little bit better how they affect our decisions. So number one, result. This is obviously something that I care about a lot, something that you probably care a lot about a lot when it comes to marketing in your business, right? It is a consequence, effect, or outcome of something. That's the result, right? So a result is basically what happened. That's simple. A lot of people think that performance is the same thing. It's not actually. If we look at the definition of performance, it is the action or process of carrying out or accomplishing an action, task, or function. Or another definition is the capabilities of a machine, vehicle, or product, especially when observed under particular conditions. So I think that's kind of interesting, right? Because performance is basically the thing that happens before the result. It's the thing that's happening underlying the result. So to give you a little bit of an example here, let's talk about flipping a coin, right? Let's just say I'm going to flip a coin over and over and over again. Even from the very first time I flip that coin, what is the performance of my coin from the standpoint of getting heads versus tails? Well, if we, if we think about it as the capability of the system, then the performance of that coin is that it's going to get me 50% of the time it's going to get me heads and 50% of the time it's going to get me tails. I know that even before I flip the coin because I understand how coins work, right? It's innate to the system, not necessarily what happened. Whereas result is going to be the measurement of that. So let's just say I flip that coin four times and I've got three heads and I've got one tail. What does that tell me? The performance of the coin is 50% heads, yet the result of the coin is 75% heads. So notice performance and results aren't always the same thing. Sometimes they differ. And turns out how it works is the longer you let it go, or in other words, the larger you make your sample, the more the performance and the results tend to come together. Performance is gonna be roughly the same in the whole sample, and then results are going to be approaching it. So theoretically, if you flip a coin a million times, it's pretty likely that you're gonna be really close to 50% of the times 
you got heads and 50% of the times you got tails. That is how results work with more sample size. They approach performance. So with more sample size, they basically become the same thing. The real question is how long does it take for them to be the same thing? How this applies to our marketing is we're always spending this money on marketing and we're always wondering, do I have enough data? It's, it's been a day. It's been a week. It's been a month. It's been six months or two years. Do I have enough data to know that this actually works? So how many times do you have to flip a coin to know that coin actually flips at 50% and not just blindly believe that based on how coins are? Well, it turns out you'll actually never understand that. Results and performance will never be completely the same. Why? Because you're always going to have about 50% of outcomes where you could be above 50% of heads and then 50% where it's below because there's this bell curve. Even if it becomes a really tight bell curve, there's this bell curve around the 50% mark. So you can't actually do that. You have to introduce something called margin of error where we start to then ask a question that's a true solvable problem. And I'll give you an example of what that is. I could ask, how many times do I have to flip a coin in order to know with 90% confidence that it gets ahead at least 40% of the time. That's a solvable problem, right? I'm wanting in 90% of the possible scenarios, I'm wanting, even though the coin is targeted towards that 50%, I just want to be able to prove that it's at least the 40%. So that bell curve around the 50% just has to get tighter and tighter and skinnier and skinnier until at some point over 90% of the bell curve is to the right of that 40% probability. I hope this makes sense a little bit. If you're not following me, I probably miss I'll get to the, the actual outcome and the actual reality of what this means. It's the same thing with marketing, right? So instead of saying we're shooting for 50% heads on our coin, let's just assume we're looking for a 5X ROAS. Uh, ROAS meaning return on ad spend, right? So we're wanting to spend $10,000 on ads and we're wanting to generate $50,000 in revenue. That's a 5X ROAS, right? So just like when we're flipping a coin, we have that percentage chance that we're getting what we want every single time we flip it. The same thing's happening with every dollar that we spend on marketing, right? Every dollar, and here, here's just the simple example, right? Let's just say you do $20,000 deals. That's typical for many markets. Some of you probably do much larger spreads on your deals. Some of you do smaller. It also depends on your exit strategy. Let's just say it's 20 grand. And let's just say your coin was really targeted towards that 5X ROAS. What would that mean? It would mean you have a 0.025% chance each time that you spend a dollar that you get $20,000. That's how marketing works, right? It's not like I spend this money and I get my return. It's that each dollar I spend, I have a 0.025% chance of getting $20,000. And then over the long term, the results and the performance will come together. But this is something that's really scary to a lot of statisticians, right? Because we get into this realm of sparse outcomes. Why is it a sparse outcome? When you're flipping a coin, you have a 50% chance of heads and you have a 50% chance of tails. When you're spending your dollar on marketing in this industry, you have a very small likelihood of success, but you also repeat it a lot of times. What that means is you're measuring a really rare outcome. And it's kind of hard to model. So let's just take that same concept, right? So let's just assume we're going to get a 5X ROAS. Now we have to apply our margin of error. So we're going to say, if we want to get at least a, if we want to measure and confidently know that we're getting at least a 4X return on our ad spend, and we want to be about 95% confident that that's true, 
And I say 95% because we work with 170 clients, right? That means we're still going to be wrong for eight to nine of our clients if we did this analysis, right? Everybody says 95% is super confident and you're never going to be on the bad end of that. But I quite literally see the bad end of that so often, right? There's always somebody there. So we're trying to measure for at least this 4X row. And I'm kind of walking through the you through this example so you can sort of understand um, this analysis that we did recently. This is basically exactly what we did. So we're simulating each time you flip that coin, it's basically a 0.025% chance that we get $20,000. And we flip that coin 3 billion times with a computer. So this is something I recently hired a data scientist to help us out with because I started with the question of how much money do we actually have to spend on this marketing channel to have a good idea if it works or not? And I was kind of shocked by the outcome. So that's why we did these 3 billion trials and we tested things over and over and over again to see how does the probability play out in this simulation output. And then we reverse engineer that so that the budget is the output. So we're seeing if we want this margin of error, if we want this kind of return on investment, then we see of all these billions of trials, how many times did we make this money and how many are grouped in these different ways. And we can actually get down to a number and this number represents how much money you should have to spend on a new marketing channel in order to know with up to that 20% margin of error that it's performing at the ROAS that it actually is, or that you expect it to, or that the underlying coin, for example, should have, right? It's the same concept with the coin, right? How many times do we have to flip the coin to know that it actually is a fair coin? This is how many dollars do we have to spend on a marketing channel to know that it's a fair marketing channel? Assuming it is actually fair. Here's the other thing about this. I've told this to a few people and they all assume that I'm talking about our strategies, what we've measured digital marketing. This is all purely theoretical. Now it does have actual applications, but this is just basic laws of statistics. And we're just looking at what is the probability of something. So that this theoretically applies to all marketing channels. So if you want 95% confidence and you want the 20% margin of error and you do deals in $20,000 increments, like for example, if you did a bunch of deals that are all worth $10, then you would have a less sparse data set, right? So you wouldn't need quite as much money. But if all those things are true, which they are true for most of our clients, you would need to spend $240,000 on a marketing channel that does work to prove that it indeed does work. I don't know about you, but to me, that number was shocking. We analyzed it a whole bunch of different ways. Keep on getting answers similar to that when we're, and when we're doing the, uh, the calculations in ways that I believe in. And that's not to say this is a bulletproof analysis or it couldn't be done better or it couldn't mimic the real world better. But here's the thing. Statistics exist as a model around reality. Statistics help us understand reality in a better way because the gap between what you think you know and the reality of the world is the gap that if you close it, you can accomplish a lot more things, right? And I know that so many of you listening to this are entrepreneurs, it has to be over 95% of you, right? I'm an entrepreneur too, I know how it works. You don't believe in rules. Sometimes you think that you're the exception in everything, right? Sometimes you walk outside and wanna jump really high and just think that you can fly because you're delirious like that. But there's gravity, right? This is no different, right? Statistics, there's no evil person that invented statistics and told you this isn't true, right? Just like we have the theory of gravity and that tells us how, it's probably not even called the theory of gravity. I'm not that strong in science, but you, you get the point. Just how we have you know these different scientific theories that explain physics, statistics 
explain the natural laws of math and numbers and quantities and populations. And that is really insightful, right? Uh, and that can be frustrating at first when you learn these things because you want to just go outside and you want to jump and you want to fly. But if you learn how gravity works and you learn all the other physics, then you start to learn the kind of things that you need to build something like an airplane, right? So instead of just like wanting to make something work in a world where it shouldn't, you start to learn if it were to work, how would that have to happen? So let me tell you how people go wrong with this over and over and over again. And this is both in what you could call positive ways and negative ways, although I think the outcomes are generally negative. So number one is people get way too excited or bought into marketing campaigns based on their results. So what you care about at the end of the day is the performance of the campaign more than you care about the result, right? Because that's more predictive of the future. Yet we get really caught up on the result. If you look at, like you, you may have heard me compare before marketing to finance and accounting, right? So many marketers are basically accountants. They are the bean counters of revenue, right? I spent this here. I got this here. And for a lot of people, if you ask them what marketing is, they will tell you that is what marketing is. You throw a bunch of stuff at a bunch of marketing channels. You measure how it performed. You find what was working well and you double down. You find what wasn't working well and you cut it. That's a very narrow view of marketing that is more similar to accounting, right? We're trying to figure out what happened. You know what that measures? That measures the result. And then it assumes performance based on the result. The best marketers are like CFOs. What does a CFO do? Yes, they look at the accounting, right? That's an important piece of it. We need the accountability. We need the measurability. But they're not looking at it to see this is where we are and we're predicting the future is exactly the same. They're trying to look at it, understand the model, and then predict things that haven't yet happened. Things like modeling out what your diminishing return might be. Things like understanding how the sample size is affecting the previous results that you're looking at. All of those kinds of things. And people just go wrong with this, right? So then you have these situations where you're going way too heavy on campaigns that aren't actually working. Or on the other side, people are cutting marketing campaigns that aren't working. And I believe in this so strongly, and I've been observing this so much and worked with so many different companies in this industry, wholesalers, flippers that are spending this money on marketing and ask them why they're making the decisions they're making, not just about the marketing channels that we manage for them, but other marketing channels. Enough so that I believe that far more often than not, we're making decisions based on random variation alone. Something's changing. And, and there's a few ways that this goes, right? You can just picture that a marketing channel is going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. And it's not systematic like that. It's like, you'd like to flip a coin and see like heads, then tails, heads, then tails, and heads, then tails, right? But it doesn't happen like that. Over a big sample, you should have roughly the same number of heads as you do tails. And if you don't, that would be fairly unlikely, but it could happen. But it doesn't happen like heads, tails, heads, tails, heads, tails. But here's what people do. And this is where we get tricked. Either you start out on the low, and then you never let your campaign get to the point where it's performing and you cut it early. I see this happen with new marketing channels all the time. You're a business. You have a lot of marketing channels that are working for you. You add the new one. You spend a lot of money. You don't see the result right away. You get scared. You cut it. You go back to the old ones. That's very common. Scenario number two, the results are good at first. You get way too excited and then the results get bad and you get way too upset about it. We have some clients like this where they get results right away. And then the minute things take a turn for the worse, from the results standpoint, think of it like you're flipping your coin and you just got three heads in a row and you're super excited. And then now you've got 
two tails, right? And the second they get that second tail, they're done. They say it used to work and now it doesn't anymore. Just like if I'm flipping my coin, I got my heads and I got my tails. You could say the result was, if you want heads, right? You could say the result was good and then it went bad. And it's really easy to get caught up in that, even though we're just flipping coins that generally don't have differences in variation. Now, the, the tricky thing here is the remarketing channels actually are increasing or decreasing in performance over time, but that performance is all in this noise of the results going crazy up and down. All right, so that's the second thing that can happen, right? You see things go negative and then you take a turn. Now, here's the thing that happens after that that's a big problem. And I see this all the time with people self-managing their PPC. You'll find that especially when you're dealing with data, if you're not really savvy with it and really aware of this effect, you'll find that whatever you're looking for will exist in the data. For example, people managing their own PPC campaign, it might be going well, it might dip. All right, so now it has dipped. Then they look at it and they say, well, you know, I think my landing page could be better, right? Okay, so I'm going to get a different landing page or I don't like those keywords, so I'm going to change that. Or maybe if you're not managing your own PPC, you think, well, this agency is not performing well. I, I feel like they're not spending enough time looking at the campaigns or whatever the case is, right? Everybody kind of makes up their own thing that may or may not be grounded in the actual truth. They make that up and they project that onto their marketing performance to explain it because we're dealing with things here that are hard to explain, right? And we feel better as humans when we feel like we understand them, right? So they say that that is bad. So if it's just a business owner working with an agency, maybe they change the agency they're working with. If it's someone managing their own PPC, maybe they just start changing stuff. And then guess what happens? Well, it turns out if you make a change when something's low, the greatest likelihood is that it's gonna go up from there because it's lower than what you've seen on average. So you make a change, get that new landing page, and now suddenly your lead flows up. But what's happening is you made the change when it was low and then naturally it's just going to happen. It was going to improve after. It also happens with when things are high, right? Things are good. You make a change and then they get sour and then you assume it's because of that change that they got sour, right? But you have to realize that things are always going up and down. And most of the changes that you're going to see on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, and even quarter-to-quarter basis, if you're not dealing with massive budgets, most of those changes are going to be heavily driven by random variation. And I'm not saying that the performance isn't going up or the performance isn't going down. What I'm saying is that the results are fluctuating significantly faster than the performances. And if you're not careful, you won't be able to see it. You'll also see this with people. I just had a call with someone earlier today that you might know from social media. And you might think, based on what he says, has a lot more revenue and a lot more profit in his business than he actually does. When you actually look at the numbers, it doesn't do so hot, right? But if you just highlight like the right wins, then it starts to look like they're doing really well. Business owners do the same with their business if you just focus on all the negative metrics. I've been guilty of this because I'm a little bit more pessimistic naturally. I always try to find the dirt in whatever I'm looking at and you could always find something bad, right? So if you have these situations, you start to notice like we are trying to use data to make decisions, but we're still making emotional decisions and then we're just using our data to actually support that. So what do you do about this? What does all this mean? I'm gonna make a couple suggestions. And for the first time, I'm actually going to share one of our core values at Bateman Collective publicly here. And that core value is be a truth warrior. I'm going to explain what this means. A lot of people would say like integrity or honesty is the word of this. I believe that sometimes standing by the truth is a very active thing. You have to constantly fight with yourself for this grounding in data. But if you're truly grounded in data, 
then you should get those conversations from your acquisitions manager saying that the leads from this channel are junk or the leads from that channel are junk or this these feelings from employees about these different things. And you should be able to stand there, be grounded in the data of what's actually happening, understand the rules of sample size, look for long-term trends, and make quality decisions. So an example of how you can be grounded in data with a marketing channel is you want to always think of the data that you're collecting right now as hopefully representative of some population that's larger than right now. There's a lot of great ways to do this. Um, what you're looking for is just some basic statistical tests, even a crazy simple way to do it. I do this sometimes is you can search online, Neil Patel, AB testing calculator, and they literally have a T test, a specific type of statistical test that's pretty useful for marketing. And you could just plug in some metrics online. Now, what it has in there is it's supposed to be conversion rate optimization calculator. So you have the number of people visiting a web page, and then you're also inputting the number that are converting. And you're trying to see if there's statistical difference between these two things. But you know, you can do that with anything that has a numerator and a denominator. You could go in there and you could put, for example, in direct mail last quarter, I had 10,000 postcards sent and I got 10 deals. I have no idea how realistic those things are. Mail isn't my channel, right? But then let's just say this year, or let's just say this quarter, I sent 10,000 postcards, but I got five deals, right? So you could put as a numerator or for the traffic, you put 10,000 in both those situations. And then as the denominator, you're going to put five right at the bottom end of the fraction or 10 in the prior one. And what that's going to tell you is what's the statistical likelihood that random variation is creating this. And why I really like this, why I really like statistics is because marketers and even qualified marketers, like a lot of people assume that all marketers think the same about this stuff. Like this is stuff that I have to filter for so much when we're recruiting for people on our team, because it's so easy even for marketers to not be grounded in data and start to say silly things like you need a split test to have a hundred clicks before you know which one works better. Or I feel like this side of the split test now has enough data and that side doesn't, et cetera. Right. But this helps you understand if you actually have variation that's random or if it's likely or what the percentage likelihood is that performance is actually fluctuating under the results. So you don't make decisions too quickly based on information that's not quite accurate. And you know how to draw that line of where you want to make that decision. And one last thing I'm going to ask of you is if you're listening to this, I know there's a lot of you out there because I see the stats, I see it growing, but I don't know who you are. And I'd be calling you and asking you myself if I could, but I can't. If you're listening to this consistently, if you got value from this episode, if you got value from the other episodes, please share this somehow. It could be an Instagram story or a Facebook post. It could be in a group of real estate wholesalers or uh, whatever the case is. It could even just be a text to your friend. Just know it's insanely appreciated. These for me are my values. I believe in this objectivity. I believe that there's facts. And if we better understand those facts and the difference between what we feel or what we believe and the reality of the situation, that we could be better, smarter marketers. And I think that every investor needs to know this. So please help me with that mission. Share this so that we can all get better together. If you have any feedback on this, if you like this style of episode, you didn't like this style of episode, let me know either way, please, so that we can get better at producing the right kind of content that you'll like in the future on this channel. And I will see you next week.